Doctor's Kitchen. Recipes, health, lifestyle. Welcome to the Doctor's Kitchen podcast. The show about food, lifestyle, medicine, and how to improve your health today. I'm Dr. Rupi, your host. I'm a medical doctor. I study nutrition, and I'm a firm believer in the power of food and lifestyle as medicine. Join me and my expert guests where we discuss the multiple determinants of what allows you to lead your best life. A common question I get is whether sugar in fruit could be as dangerous and toxic as the sugar we find in canned drinks, sweets, and other sources of added sugars mostly found in processed foods. And sugar has been a hot topic of discussion over the past few years, particularly as people become more aware of the importance of regulating blood sugar levels and avoiding large and frequent spikes. In addition, we hear regularly from health organizations and experts that we should eat less sugar because of its deleterious effects on the body. But we're also told that we have to eat more fruit which naturally contains sugar. So is sugar and fruit bad or is there more to this complicated situation? And that's what we're here to do today. Science writer and researcher Sakina Koko joins me on the podcast today as we talk about the science behind sweetness, why plants even produce sugars and the different types of sugars and the amounts found in your favorite fruits, plus how sugar is handled by the body and specifically sugar from fruit, and whether fructose is better than glucose, plus some tips to enjoy your favorite fruit, whatever that fruit might be. Remember, you can watch this podcast on YouTube and subscribe and hit the notification bell whilst you're there. It is the simplest way to support The Doctor's Kitchen. Remember, you can download The Doctor's Kitchen app for free. And yes, for Android users, we have a launch date. It's going to be the 29th of January, 2024. We can't wait for you guys to jump in and enjoy all the benefits of the app today, as well as the future benefits that we're going to be building out all the features around meal planning, shopping lists. We're super excited to be diving into those as well. Plus, if you want a simple way, a simple nudge to eat better every week, look no further than the Doctor's Kitchen newsletter. Eat, Listen, Read goes out every Wednesday and I provide a recipe, something to eat, something to listen to, something to read, as well as seasonal Sundays where we do a deep dive into an individual ingredient every Sunday to help you live a healthier, happier and more informed week. For now, on to my podcast with Sakina Akoko. Before we get started, here is a quick word from the people who make this podcast possible. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Is sugar in fruit toxic? It is a really common question that I get here at the doctor's kitchen about whether people should be having any fruit in the diet because of the high sugar content? Does fruit even have a high amount of sugar in it? 
Today, we're going to be doing a deep dive into this topic, talking about which fruits that you should be having every day or every other day, and then which fruits should be treated as a luxury item rather than a daily staple. And with me today, I've got Sakina, who is researcher and science writer at The Doctor's Kitchen. How are you doing, Sakina? I'm doing good. It's been a calm day in the studio and we'll have a guest coming over later to make some food. So a good lunch yeah, to look yeah, forward to. Yeah, have a good lunch. Yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's dive into it. So we're going to talk about the science behind sweetness, uh, why plants even produce sugars, how sugar in, in fruit is handled by the body, the different types of sugars that we have have we're going to answer this question that is really common which is you know which is better fructose uh, or glucose uh, what the differences between those two are um, and some tips to enjoy uh, fruits whilst being aware of the blood glucose levels um, but first there are three takeaways uh, from our readings right what's the what's the first one in, in your opinion um, the first one I would say is enjoy your fruits. Overall, I think the main conclusion that we came to um, with the readings and the research we've done is that we shouldn't be worrying about fruits and we shouldn't be seeing them as something that is dangerous or mm. bad for you. Uh, because yes, they contain sugars, but they also contain a lot of beneficial compounds that you get from plants like polyphenols, mm. fiber, uh, flavonoids, um, and they can mitigate the impact of sugar on blood glucose levels. And they provide lots of other health benefits that are important to consider. Um, in terms of different types of fruits, focus on whole fruits rather than juice, for example, yeah. just for the impact on blood sugar levels and to get fiber and all those compounds. And then you, you could make a difference between staples like berries and kiwis that you could add to your porridge, for example, in the morning. Um, and luxury items like mango or exotic fruits are a bit higher in sugar. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to separate them out into sort of like um, autumnal and uh, summer fruits that mm -hmm. are like you know, things that you can have perhaps more regularly than the other more exotic fruits. Um, and we're going to go into exactly how much of the sugar is actually contained in those different types of fruits. The second thing I think is pairing fruits with proteins and healthy fats. And a good friend of mine, uh, Jesse, has been on the podcast talking about putting clothes on your starches or putting clothes on your carbohydrates. And that sort of applies to fruits. So, you know, combining fruits with proteins or healthy fats, whether it's uh, peanut butter or cheese. I know. Yeah, I'm French people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not just calling you out there because you're French <laughs> and you like the cheese, but cheese and fruits are really, really mm -hmm. good combination and i think since you have been working with us you've sort of uh, yeah. been introduced to this world of combining mm -hmm. fruits and savory dishes. and telling everyone about it yeah. including my dad <laughs> yeah. and my dad is now having a handful of nuts in the morning with his breakfast nice. which i'm really proud of nice. um, and my housemates and just that idea of combining sources of carbohydrates of sugar with other sources which also makes the food taste better in my opinion yeah. like having an apple with not butter or um or any or nuts or yogurt or something like that also makes the the meal or the snack more filling and yeah. and tastes good and adds flavor so yeah definitely been changing my habits yeah and the third thing is i would say focus on reducing added sugars rather than sugars per se in fruit so you know uh, a lot of people sort of m melt m melt together <laughs> a lot of people uh, mishmash fruit with added sugars whether that's coming from sweets or candy bars or whatever it might be but they should be seen as very separate and there's a lot of um, uh, organizations the who that are warning people about the negative impact of added sugars in the diet rightly so but that shouldn't be uh, unnecessarily applied to whole fruits, which mm. as people listening or watching this on, on YouTube will find out a little bit more about why that is not the same. Yeah, I think it's a really important example of context matters and um, trying to move away from simplistic views of nutrition where a nutrient is deemed as bad or good. Yeah. And so we want to ban all foods that contain it. We're trying to add a bit more nuance and make sure that the context and the food source is more important than one component of a food. And it's about the dose and the context, what the food comes with. Mm. Um, so it's kind of adding a bit of nuance to the discussion, which helped me um, move away from fear mongering and, and kind of um, being scared of eating foods and um, worrying yeah, too exactly, much. Exactly, exactly. Um, Let's go to the basics, right? So uh, why do plants make sugars in the first place? This yeah. is, a, I think, a really interesting place to start this discussion because mm -hmm. before you understand 
why, uh, what kind of fruits you should be eating for the sugar content or the polyphenol content, fiber content. We need to understand the basics of why plants even you know, produce sugars. So yeah. you, you did a bit of reading around that. Which is really cool. I didn't know about this before, but it's quite interesting because there is a purpose for plants, like there is one for humans, but there is a purpose as well um, for sugars in plants, especially for growth and development, but also for the production of other compounds that are beneficial for us and for plants' defense, mm. like carotenoids and polyphenols. They need sugar. Um, and um, it's so important for plants that they even have processes in place to regulate the production of sugar. So it is an essential element of plants' growth and development that mm. we shouldn't overlook. And we can't just deem it as bad because they have a purpose yeah. for humans and plants. Yeah. Um, so I think that was quite interesting to read about. I, I don't know about the processes and the pathways and all yeah. that, but yeah, I would yeah. want to know because yeah. it's quite cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, this uh, begs the question as to how plants have been bred over the last you know a few hundred years to change their sugar properties and i know anecdotally from friends of mine that are involved in the agricultural industry um, it is possible to manipulate growing conditions whether it's the soil whether it's the temperature uh, whether it's you know the actual uh, plant itself the the crossbreeding the and and the the different types of seeds that we now have um, to change the sweetness yeah. uh, of a particular ingredient, whether it's something like a banana that's changed mm -hmm. massively from the wild bananas that we would have had access to thousands of years ago, um, to strawberries and, and even vegetables as Tomatoes, well. Tomatoes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. reading about, uh, we, we write a newsletter called Seasonal Sundays about seasonal ingredients. And I learned a lot about that history of how plants have evolved through time and through selective breedings and farmers selecting for certain traits that are deemed likable mm. or attractive traits for customers. Mm. And often it is the size and the sweetness and yield. Yeah. Um, and so throughout generations of selective breeding, plants have evolved. And I don't know what the impact of that is on how we metabolize those, those fruits and compounds. So yeah. yeah, the likelihood is that we have probably increased the total sugar content of mm -hmm. uh, fruits, for example, particularly in the case of things like bananas and, and berries and, and other um, ingredients like apples and, and pears. Um, however, the extent to which those total sugars have increased mm -hmm. is not comparable to, you know, the processed yeah. foods and uh -huh. the candy bars that a lot of people have likened to. I know you were in a mm -hmm. sort of difficult situation when somebody was telling you about yeah. how like an apple is the equivalent of a sugar bomb. Yeah. And, you know, that's just mm -hmm. categorically not true. We, mm -hmm. you know, we have polyphenols in apple, we have fiber in apple. Um, there's a whole bunch of other benefits that you have when in a whole food compared to like a candy bar or processed food um so that that's definitely something that i i think we want to uh, underline despite the fact that yes breeding practices have changed the sugar content of mm -hmm. the ingredients i think one thing to uh, sort of rule of thumb is we're going to go through some of the the uh, fruits and the different sugar quantities um, but in general the bitterness that corresponds to the powerful antioxidants and polyphenols that we find in vegetables, for example, has been muted in a lot of cases. That's why broccoli probably would have tasted a lot more mm -hmm. bitter yeah. back in the day, like wild broccoli, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think there was a study comparing wild and cultivated apples, um, and they, from from memory, so I would have, have to double check that. From from memory, it was the um, acid component that was yeah. um, different rather than the sugar component. Yeah, um, which is quite interesting. So it, I think you're right. It's more of a decreased acidity compared to maybe an increased sweetness in yeah. some cases at least yeah um that, that's a really interesting sidebar maybe mm -hmm. we should talk a bit about that because mm -hmm. you know most people would assume that the sugar content is mm -hmm. the only driver of sweet taste but it's interesting like you mm -hmm. mentioned there are other volatile compounds that also yeah. correspond to the sweetness that we we actually taste yeah um there was a study looking at um the impact of those volatile compounds or so compounds that create aroma 
um, on the perception of sweet taste. Uh, I think it was apples, yeah. And they found that volatile compounds can explain up to uh, 33% of the perception of sweet taste. So it means that you can taste a food as sweet because of those uh, aroma compounds that create this perception of sweet taste. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't correlate exactly with the amount of sugar mm. in the fruit. Or um, which I think is quite interesting, and I had no idea about. I, w- I assume that sugar means sweet taste, and yeah, that's it. Yeah, but it's yeah. not the end of the story. Yeah. So there's this complex sort of array of components of our food that actually correspond to the perception mm-hmm. of sweetness. So if you do taste something and it tastes really, really sweet, it doesn't automatically mean it's like full and f- full of all these different types of sugars. Yeah. It could actually be these volatile compounds mm-hmm. that explain a, a massive amount. If you think about it, like. There's an opportunity there to create uh, um, a different type of uh, fruit, let's just say, like an apple Mm -hmm. that tastes sweeter, but actually doesn't change the total sugar content, whether it's a a monosaccharide that we'll talk about and explain in a second, or a disaccharide like the the glucose, fructose, and sucrose quantity, but just the perception of sweetness. There's somebody out there who's got to be listening to this and has got to figure out a way in which to increase the sweet perception uh-huh. without the sh- total sugar content yeah. there's an opportunity well you're you're an uh, innovative <laughs> mindset because <laughs> that study published in nature actually concluded that those non-sugar sources of sweetness can be used for improving flavor and attractive traits without increasing the sugar content so Amazing. i think people are already looking into it which put, put potentially could have other issues in terms of selective breeding and um maybe we also need to learn to appreciate foods that are not too sweet yeah yeah <laughs> but um but it is an interesting way to breed uh plants in a more advantageous way for our health potentially yeah, yeah so it sure. has been that's, that study is looking into it it's quite an interesting one so we'll, we'll link to it <laughs> we're gonna do like a deep dive i think into taste and perception yeah you know how all these different things impact um our uh enjoyment of food you know Mm -hmm. including things like texture and combination of food and stuff so i think that's a real interesting area um that a lot of parents know too well Mm -hmm. because a lot of kids are like sort of averse to that i that that sort of alkaline bitter taste with reason there's an evolutionary reason Mm -hmm. but um uh that sort of training of your taste buds Mm -hmm. is very effective and it can take as little as a couple of weeks yeah to completely change your your perception yeah we definitely need to look into yeah super interesting (laughs) Um, interesting. let's talk a a bit more about the actual amounts Mm -hmm. of uh sugar uh, in these different ingredients so if you're watching on youtube we're going to pull up this graph, or not graph, sorry, uh, a table with the different types of fruits and the total sugar content, as well as the types of sugars uh, that are broken down there. But if you're listening, we'll, we'll talk through this. Um, let's 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 look at some of the sugar content in these different fruits. Talk us through uh, the different spectrums of, of fruits that we have here, from, from berries and kiwi to the more exotic ones. So we were talking um, about kind of categorizing foods in terms of some summer or you know more hot weather fruits uh, like berries in the UK and then um, autumnal or winter fruits like pears and apples and then more exotic fruits for the UK mm. so those that we import um, like bananas mango um, grapes grapefruits kiwi um, and so we looked at the sugar content using a UK database. So obviously nutritional content varies <laughs> greatly. Yeah, it does a lot. So, which we've learned. Yeah. Um, but basically fruits contain from five to 10, 12 grams, sometimes 18 grams like banana of sugar per 100 grams. But compared to um, a food product with added sugar, like a candy bar, for example, that's still quite low. You mm. know, a candy bar would be like 48 grams per 100 grams. Mm. So it's still... Um, not comparable to that. Yeah, just to underline that mm-hmm. point. So literally, if you uh, imagine, um, let's say an apple um, that is around 80 to 100 grams, but let's assume that's 100 gram apples versus a 100 gram chocolate bar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the amount of sugar in an apple is in this case, almost 12 grams per 100 grams of that material versus a chocolate, which is almost 50 grams. So like a very, very different, big difference in the total sugar amount. But then also, as we'll go into, you know, it's it's about what else is in that product as well. 
that can determine whether it has a healthful or harmful effect on the body. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a point that we'll go into for sure because it's not just about, that's the point we're trying to make as well, it's not just about the actual number, mm. the actual amount of sugar. There is a difference between different foods, like berries tend to have lower sugar amounts, like raspberries, blueberries, strawberries. Um, they have a lower total sugar and they have uh, higher levels of glucose and fructose compared to sucrose, for example. Um, but then uh, exotic foods like um, banana, mango, lychee tend to have higher levels like 18 grams for banana or 10 grams per 100 grams for mango. Mm. Um, so it could be that you, you can kind of decide which foods you want to be your daily staples because they have lower amounts of sugar. But it's not the, the final word on yeah. that because it's not th this number is not the most important thing that we should be looking at. But exactly. there is a range. W within the ranges of those different types of fruits, there were some really surprising uh, numbers yeah. that we, we came across, right? <laughs> Including uh -huh. uh, blueberries mm -hmm. versus strawberries. Now, if you ask me... I would have said, hands down, strawberries definitely have more sugar than mm -hmm. blueberries. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, me too. I would think that too. <laughs> yeah. But actually, from that data, um, there's a slight difference, like a two grams difference or three grams difference. But blueberries uh, actually have a slightly higher sugar content than strawberries, which yeah. is surprising because of the taste, I think. I think yeah. strawberries tend to taste a bit sweeter, in my opinion. Yeah, and it could be, again, from those volatile mm, compounds, like yeah. the perception of sweetness. Absolutely. Versus, we should look at studies. Yeah, yeah, yeah versus versus um, uh, the, the, sugar. The, uh, the actual total sugar content. Mm -hmm. And I guess even though there is a two or actually three gram difference so strawberries have six grams of sugar total sugar per 100 grams blueberries have nine grams per 100 grams the fold difference is uh 50 percent mm -hmm. so it's actually 50 percent yeah, more in blueberries more, more total sugar content totally uh -huh. yeah so even though the absolute numbers are quite low the relative uh, ratios is quite different mm -hmm. and i wouldn't have expected that yeah like, me too and same for kiwi for example yeah uh, it's, it's classified as an exotic fruit but actually has quite a low sugar content compared to other exotic fruits like mango or yeah. bananas yeah, uh, yeah which is quite interesting plus you have extra fiber because you can eat the skin yeah yeah, you were telling me about that. Um, I was very surprised. I've never actually tried to eat the skin, but my friend does. And the first time I saw that, I was I was like, what? You can <laughs> eat a kiwi like an apple, just bite into it? Yeah, yeah. it's quite hairy, isn't it? Yeah, it is you quite hairy, to... <laughs> yeah. The first time I ever saw anyone do it is actually my wife. So she nice. used to make these sort of smoothie packs, which I think are, they're quite useful, I think, like in the morning if you want like a quick smoothie or, or whatever, although I don't really have like fruit smoothies. Um she would literally cut them whole mm -hmm. and with the hair on and everything and yeah. put them in these freezer packs. And so in the morning, just put them into the blender and then blend them all up. And I was like, what? why are you not peeling them? You're going to get lots of bits of yeah. hair in your smoothie, but you can definitely eat the skins. Mm. And I need to start that. I'm sure it's good for you as well. Yeah, yeah. you've got extra fiber. Mm -hmm. You're just going to make sure that, you know, we've done a podcast on pesticides and organic yes. foods and stuff. And kiwi, I don't believe is particularly high in pesticides, mm -hmm. but you do want to make sure that you are washing mm -hmm. your vegetables and, and your fruits. And in particular with bicarb right yeah you can use baking soda we were doing there's a newsletter coming out uh, where one of the readers asked about baking so we're completely going on a tangent but yeah, yeah. um soaking in baking soda could like, actually remove um, pesticide residues on the surface so yeah yeah which yeah. i don't do either so another thing that i might uh, add to my routine yeah yeah definitely so and just to sort of clarify this section on the total sugars even though just to underline this point it is not the most important sort of area to focus on the highest uh, amount of total sugars per 100 gram in fruits appear to be bananas, grapes, mango, um, and actually apple and pear, uh, surprisingly yeah. quite mm -hmm. high. But as we're going to go into a little bit later, they do have a lot of other elements like uh, particular types of fibers. Mm -hmm. um, I know uh, if we if we do talk about this a little bit later, but pears have like a grittiness whenever you bite into them and that actually corresponds to a particular type of fiber that is unique to pears that actually mm -hmm. give us a whole bunch of different benefits as well mm -hmm. and we'll go into the mechanisms of why that can um modulate the blood glucose response which yes. is very interesting i think so we definitely don't need to get um too carried away by the numbers but yeah. it is it is interesting to see 
those amounts. Um, and then there's the different types of sugars as well. Yes. That we looked so, into. Yeah, let's talk about the different types of sugars that you find in these. Yeah, so there's different types of sugars uh, that, that are classified as single sugar molecules like glucose and fructose that are known as monosaccharides um, and more complex structures like sucrose, which is basically two uh, glucose and a fructose molecule combined um, and known as disaccharide. Um, and so in mature fruits, the major sugars are sucrose, fructose, and glucose. But some fruits, like um, exotic fruits, mm. like mango, peach, um, pineapple, they have a higher sucrose content compared to other fruits. So there is a difference in the amount, like we said, per 100 grams, but also in the types of sugars that you find in fruits. Yeah, and there appears to be uh, different ways in which the body metabolizes the different types of sugars. We're going to go into that a little bit later on. But overall, we can't really say that a particular sugar is healthier than another one, just that it is metabolized slightly differently. I know mm -hmm. there was a trend toward like people saying, particularly like five, six years ago, that a natural sugar like honey or agave is better for you mm -hmm. than, you know, table sugar. And whilst it has marginally uh, increased amount of antioxidants and some other attributes, I can't say that that is a true uh, uh, statement because it really does come down to dose. Yeah, um, and the food, the food the itself. Food itself. Yeah. I think more than the type of sugar um, being one sugar is bad and the other is good. It's more about what the food is and yeah. uh, what other things it comes with, what do you eat it with, and this whole matrix effect um, yeah. that is more relevant, I think, to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Uh, cool. So, I mean, I think the the main uh, takeaway here is the difference between added sugars and, and natural sugars. So we know very well now that added sugars is harmful to health. It contributes to poor cardiovascular outcomes. This is the excess of added sugars, poor cardiovascular outcomes. It can have an impact on inflammation. It can uh, p uh, cause your liver to overproduce certain fats so it can lead to fatty liver. Um, there's actually a great review that you pulled out published in the BMJ that, again, everything will be on the doctorskitchen.com show notes that make the case for reducing the consumption of free sugars mm -hmm. to below 25 grams per day. How many teaspoons approximately is that? Um, approximately six teaspoons Six a day. teaspoons. Yeah. So that's really easy to get <laughs> yeah. above six of teaspoons. Of course. Yeah, yeah, but it's quite interesting because in that study, the, the researchers made a clear distinction between added sugars in processed and food products and naturally occurring sugars in fruits. So yeah. they're not including fruits um, in, in that amount. Yeah, yeah. And if you think about this through the lens of sugar sweetened beverages, which mm -hmm. I think is a real, real big area for concern, particularly as it uh, pertains to kids and, and their consumption of these kind of drinks like Cokes and Pepsis and all the rest of it. Um, the sort of so-called full fat. Uh, this is suggesting that kids or an adult should have less than one can mm. of one of these drinks per week. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah, I think um, they were saying uh, less than one serving per week to reduce the adverse effects of sugar on health. So that is definitely quite surprising and, and quite low compared yeah. to what we could be used to. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I so, think th so that's of... definitely a focus, an area of focus compared to fruits, I think. This is kind of the points that we made in the beginning. This is more important to focus on how do we do that yeah. in practice, which is not easy to do, yeah. rather than cutting out fruits. I think we've sort of normalized um, the consumption of these sugary canned drinks, um, you know, to one a day or one every other day. When you actually look at the data and the uh, uh, conclusion from these researchers, it is pretty stark mm -hmm. uh, compared to like what is normal in, in practice. So just without sort of judgment or like shaming anyone, like having that as a North Star to aim for, like less than one a week, this is really not meant to be a staple. We shouldn't have vending machines selling these products. Um, we really need to be thinking about removing these uh, products from sort of general consumption. Um, not not that we should be banning it, but certainly being a lot more fastidious with that education around these these um, these products. 
Mm, which is another topic we could go into as well. How do we do that in practical ways? Because it is not easy. Yeah. <laughs> it is not easy. And there's that addictive component to these to these drinks and these high sugar foods. Yeah. Um, so it is a bit beyond us sometimes in, in a current food environment. And it's difficult for individuals. It's quite a lot of pressure yeah. to make those changes suddenly. So I think yeah. we're, on, we're in a good trend and we're going in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So that's added sugars, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, you know, less than six teaspoons of sugar per mm-hmm. day, less than one can of Coke per week uh let's look at the other side so you know what about the intake of whole fruits because that mm-hmm. still contains sugar but as we've mentioned it has the antioxidants the fiber what what are, what does the research tell us about the potential beneficial effects on health mm-hmm. so because of this amount of sh- this content of sugar in foods research has been looking at is it a problem mm-hmm. so is there a problem um eating sugar from fruits does it increase the risk of disease like uh, added sugars do and actually most research found that there's a beneficial effect on overall health so there's an reduced risk of stroke, heart disease, obesity, cancer. Um, And actually studies looking at fasting blood glucose found that whole foods reduce fasting blood glucose. Mm -hmm. And they even recommended for patients with diabetes. uh, And that's from a recent meta-analysis. So it's actually recommended. um, And so all these detrimental effects that you see from added sugars are not seen for whole fruits, which will explain why. Um, And there was also a cohort study um, called the Australian Diabetes, Obesity and Lifestyle Study involving um, 7,675 participants, uh, about 54 years years of age. Um, And they showed that moderate fruit intake of about two servings, and they included apples, bananas and oranges. Oh, even bananas? Yeah, which was quite surprising. Um, had a 36 lower risk of developing type 2 diabetes compared to those who ate um, from the lower intake, so less than half a serving of fruit per day. Um, So more whole foods, despite the sugar content, is linked to overall beneficial effects, even for type 2 diabetes, which is kind of counterintuitive if you just focus on the sugar. Definitely, Um, yeah, yeah. Even if you, you know, sort of count um, the added benefits of the fiber and the polyphenols, it does seem a bit like, oh yeah, how how can it be possible? And I guess just to sort of caveat, as we always do the seasonal Sundays newsletters and whenever we talk about these kind of studies, uh, there are a lot of limitations when we do these kind of cohort studies. There is the obvious one, which is the healthy user effect. Mm -hmm. So someone who is going to be consuming a lot more fruits in their whole form, whether it is a banana, which is particularly high in sugar, uh, compared to someone who's having less than half on average a piece of fruit per day, is likely to be doing other activities that could also contribute to uh, a reduction in the risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. Like they might be going for more walks, they might be having more uh, whole foods and less processed foods in their diet. Uh, they might um, uh, be uh, of a higher sort of uh, socioeconomic strata. So they have all these other benefits of, uh, you know, better financial security, all the rest of it. So there's there's definitely some nuance to yeah, those Yeah, it doesn't mean causation. It doesn't mean that eating a banana will prevent yeah, diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also, it depends what you're comparing it with as well. Like if yeah. you're replacing a banana, if you were replacing a, a food product high in sugar, like a candy bar with a banana, obviously there will be a beneficial effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're, replacing I don't know like a a green leafy vegetables for example with a banana it it might not be the same um, protective effect so those studies definitely have some limitations but I think it's interesting that um, there is beneficial effects of whole fruits in general in in people's diets yeah yeah this can definitely be confusing for a lot of people because you know a lot of people like they equate sugar in added uh, in sort of sugar sweetened beverages or uh, candies and sweets and all that kind of stuff with fruit. Let's sort of steel man the argument for th- what that cohort study actually showed. Let's mm-hmm. assume that, okay, fruit does have this beneficial effect. What are the potential mechanisms that uh, enable fruit to have this protective effect? Um, dose is something I always come to. Uh-huh. Why don't we talk a bit about dose? We've already mm-hmm. sort of alluded to it earlier. But... Yeah, we've talked a little bit about the difference between the difference in amount of sugar between, for example, a medium sized apple that will contain 70.4 grams of sugar and an average size candy bar that will contain about 31 grams of sugar. We talked about it in 100 grams earlier. So it's slightly different amounts. Yeah. Um, but so 
in terms of amount, the difference between a whole fruit and a food product is quite significant. Yeah. So that's one thing, What that one of the first differences between whole fruits and added sugars, but there's more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's definitely more. So the second thing I, I always want to sort of push toward people is this idea of the food matrix. So fruits versus processed foods, very, very different, despite, let's say, they had the same amount of sugar because you're also consuming the different types of fibers that will blunt the absorption of that sugar into your digestive tract and then into your bloodstream where it can be processed by the liver and the other sinks like muscles and fat cells. You also have polyphenols and these polyphenols can also have an impact on the absorption of of blood across uh, into your different cells as well. And that can also have a satiating effect. So these different polyphenols can also impact your overall energy consumption. There's a whole bunch of other uh, elements that you are consuming in a whole fruit versus a processed food with let's say the same total amount of sugar in in the actual product uh, Mm -hmm. as well yeah this food mattress uh, matrix effect is quite interesting i think because it shows that there is huge complexity in nutrition so that um all the foods we're eating come in a very complex structure of loads of components some that we don't even know we're not Mm. aware of yet Mm. Um, and so it's really more complicated than just saying this one nutrient equals this effect it's it's so really complicated we don't know yet how it's absorbed released and it's it's an ongoing um, area of research let's double click on this sort of food matrix uh, effect here so uh, I want to. I want people to understand exactly why the food matrix is so important. So number one, like I said, it slows down the release of sugars. The way it does that is soluble fibers that you find in, let's say, an apple. We're using apple quite a bit today, but I'm an apple fan. Doctor, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Um, this soluble fiber forms what's called a viscous gel. And that sort of uh, gel slows down or attenuates the absorption of the sugar across into the bloodstream. And that ultimately will lower the glucose spike that you have after consuming said apple or after a meal. So these sort of dietary fibers are, are really important, not just from the blunting of that, but it also it gives your microbes interesting extra bits of food so that they can thrive and a better diverse microbiota also better fuels and, and partitions that sugar so you don't have it just dumping straight into your bloodstream. Is that mm-hmm. fair to say? Yeah, I think it's really in, in, important that there's these two effects. There's the gel and then there's also the production of those beneficial products mm. um, from good, our gut microbes that yeah, we love talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that also influence glucose control. Um, and then polyphenols also can have an impact because we talk a lot about fiber, but polyphenols also can have an impact on blood sugar levels, which I also wasn't really aware of the exact mechanisms before. Um, and for example, there is one apple polyphenol, which I will let you pronounce the name of. <laughs> Phylorizin. <laughs> Phylorizin. Um, and it was shown to inhibit sodium glucose co-transporters. So it led to a decrease of glucose transport and so it reduced glucose spike. And in human studies, um, apple extract rich in that polyphenol was seen to attenuate blood glucose and insulin after a glucose challenge. Um, so polyphenols also can help um, attenuate this blood glucose response after you eat a whole fruit mm, which definitely. is which is very, very yeah which is super super mm-hmm. interesting and there was um there were some elements of the glucose podcast that i did um where i talk about re- reducing insulin resistance and insulin resistance as a reminder for people is one of the mechanisms by which uh type 2 diabetes uh, or poor glucose control can uh, uh can appear and um when we contain whole fruits that can that have all these different flavonoids and, and polyphenols, it appears that that can actually improve one's insulin sensitivity. So making your cells more sensitive to the hormone that drives sugar from your bloodstream into the cells where it can be appropriately partitioned and not put you at risk of things like type 2 diabetes. That I think is particularly fascinating. And that may come to a head a little bit later on when we talk about this study that is sort of perplexing for us about mm-hmm. processing uh, um, uh, fruits into a smoothie versus some, uh, a, um, uh, a whole food, a whole fruit. Um, but there's another way as well. So we've we've already done three. So that's slowing down the release of sugars, 
regulating the uptake of sugar, decreasing insulin resistance, satiety, as I mentioned. Yeah, which you mentioned before, uh, Mm. which is quite a big one as well. There was a difference between, for example, drinking um, orange juice. You'll consume way more whole oranges when you're drinking a glass of orange juice. I think it would be like three, four, maybe five whole oranges. Sometimes it could be like eight. More, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Compared to eating a full orange, it will make you full pretty quickly because of that fiber. Yeah. Um, So there's also that satiety element, which means that yes, there is sugar in fruits, but you will eat less because it makes you full quicker. um, So you'll be less inclined to eat more. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, you know, part of this whole matrix of ingredients that you're consuming um, with the fibers and uh, and all the other elements that you find in like a, a whole apple or orange um, will show that it, it can increase the production of short chain fatty acids by improving the diversity of your microbes as well. So just to sort of underline the point that it's not just um, the uh, sugar uh, a dose and, and the impact on insulin resistance. There are other health mechanisms that are being activated when you consume these. We haven't even talked about like, you know, nutrigenomics and mm-hmm. the turning on and turning off of certain uh, gene, genes in your, in your body as, as a result of uh, consuming whole foods. But you can basically see that the effects of uh, consuming food that has yes sugar in really has a multitude of different effects rather than just, you know, the sugar spiking capability of mm-hmm. it. Yeah, so zooming out about just the sugar and seeing that it also supports overall health, mm. um, which is good for your your body's ability to handle yeah. um, the sugar as well. Yeah, as I know, I'm going to get asked about it. Yeah. Uh, people <laughs> will say, okay, but what about fructose? Now, I've heard fructose is bad because... It mainlines to the the liver. It's processed slightly differently. It's worse than glucose because, you know, it it essentially is absorbed by your body in a different way that can be overall negative. What about fructose? So I looked into it a little bit because, yeah, there is a quite bad reputation reputation of fructose. Um, So fructose is a simple sugar. It exists naturally in foods uh, in either free form or one-to-one combination um, as sucrose, like Mm -hmm. we talked about. Um, but actually, a recent meta-analysis, <laughs> a recent <laughs> meta-analysis yeah. of human studies concluded that chronic consumption of fructose is neither more beneficial nor more harmful than equivalent doses of sucrose or glucose mm. for glycemic and metabolic outcomes. Okay. So there's not enough evidence right now to say that fructose is is more harmful mm. than glucose, for example. Mm. But there is a bit of nuance in that, and there's a bit more complexity to that that we can we can go into. As yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, because it seems like, like we've alluded to earlier, it really does come down to dose, right? Mm-hmm. So depending on the amount of fructose that you are consuming, um, and just to sort of underline this point, uh, a lot of sugar-sweetened beverages do have uh, fructose as, as the main ingredient, this this high uh, fructose corn syrup, um, or there are a number of other names for it. I think there's something like 100 other names mm. for these kind of syrups that are added um, at very high concentrations, that does appear to have a negative effect. But that's really down to the dose rather than the mm-hmm. fructose itself, right? Yeah, because it gets very quickly um, into your bloodstream um, in, in those doses. Mm. So um, consuming too much fructose in a short period of time can overwhelm your capacity to handle the fructose mm. and then it spills over into the liver. Yeah, so it's this the sort dose. Of spillover yeah, effect. this spillover yeah. effect, which is yeah. is the dose that has a negative health effect, not really the fructose itself. Like we said earlier, we can't really say right now with the research that one sugar is worse than another. The, mm. or bad for health it's but that high dose that we find in those um fructose syrup and and um added uh sources yeah. is uh what would be the issue and yeah. driving health problems yeah so it seems that you know i think i like this idea of the spillover effect because if you mm-hmm. have a bucket and you empty that bucket let's say every 12 hours as long as you keep to the dose that your bucket can hold it's okay if you start adding in multiple bucket loads of fructose in this case, uh, such that it spills over the sides. The spillover of the side is going to cause a leaky floor, and that's going to cause mold, and that's going to cause like a disruption to the integrity of your floor. And then it's going to. So that's a glib example of exactly what is essentially going on in your body right now. If your your body does have the capacity to hold some amount of, of fructose and and remove that fructose every 12 hours, let's say, in this example. But it's the over 
consumption is the overfilling of our buckets that leads to these these poor health mm, effects. Which I think is quite reassuring. Um, and we talked about it even in sense of, for example, when we talked about aluminium and mm. nitrate and um, a lot of the compounds that are deemed bad for us, um, we have a, a, an ability and a capacity to handle them, which yeah. for me was really reassuring to read about those mechanisms that the body has to either uh, remove or handle, manage, store, um, compounds that can be harmful at a high dose. Yeah. Um, so low doses were defined as less than 10 grams per mil, which is equ um, equivalent to levels obtained from a fruit. Okay. Um, so there was an animal study that was quite interesting in terms of the mechanisms of how uh, that said that the gut may help to shield the liver from um, damage by breaking down the sugar before it even reaches the liver. So we often talk about the problems of um, spilling into the liver and causing uh, liver buildup and damage. But actually, at small doses of less than 10 grams per mil, maybe it will never reach the liver, according yeah. to that animal study. And um, the gut will help protect and prevent fructose from reaching the liver in the first place. That, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, um, there are uh, enzymes like fructokinase, for example, that are actually expressed in the small intestine. That was news to me because I thought that only happened in the liver. Um, but the fact that you can break down these products in the gut such that your liver does not become overwhelmed, that's really interesting. Yeah, I thought so too. I'm sure you need um, human studies to confirm those mm. mechanisms, but it's quite. it was published in Nature. Um, and so it's quite an interesting mechanism that could be reassuring to know that at low doses, we shouldn't be worrying too much about fructose, especially from fruit, because it's so low. Yeah. There also is this interesting catalytic effect of fructose uh, that, again, was news to me. I remember sort of coming across this during my master's um, about fructose potentially being beneficial mm -hmm. for glycemic control. At low doses. At low yeah, doses. At low doses yeah. of less than 10 grams. <laughs> yeah. There was a clinical study um, involving healthy individuals, but also people with diabetes. Um, and they found that small doses of fructose of less than 10 grams reduce glycemic responses after a meal by about 15 to 30%. Um, so that's low doses because it could stimulate the activity of glucokinase and increase the storage of glucose. So it's kind of nudging your body to, Isn't that crazy? to do its job. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which I also thought was very surprising. And it's, it's really this dose matters yeah. and context matters um, yeah. argument that we're seeing. So like the, the, there's like a... Uh, a little phrase that my mum always tells me, like a little bit of sugar is, is not bad for you, it's actually good for you. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, mum, honestly, like minimize the sugar as much as mm. possible. Again, I'm probably gonna get gonna get an I told you so like, yeah. right? <laughs> because of this catalytic yeah. effect. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's other areas. I mean, a bit like exercise. Yes. Um, I'm yes. sure there's other areas about health where a little bit of kind of nudging or stimulation mm. can actually um, promote your body's ability to handle toxins and yes. to handle um, other compounds. You know, I see this in a clinical context. So people who uh, are on a very strict ketogenic diet, let's say, where they minimize carbohydrates of all different forms, whether it's refined or whole, if you offer them an oral glucose tolerance test, which is a, a test where you consume uh, a lot of sugar in a very small amount of time, and at defined points uh, at 30 minute intervals, you measure their blood glucose level through a, a finger stick. Mm -hmm. um, often you'll find that they've lost their tolerance of sugar such that their bodies know what to do with the sugar and it just goes straight into the blood in the bloodstream and it measures as if they are at diabetic levels despite not having any carbohydrates in the diet. And I feel it's somewhat related to a lot of these different mechanisms that we've just been talking about. Not only the catalytic effect of fructose, but also the fact that you've got some microbes in your gut that if they are stimulated enough, they will start breaking down certain sugars and ensuring that they are partitioned into the cells appropriately before they go to your liver or before they end up in your bloodstream. I, I, I find this is why like, you know, nutrition is mm -hmm. very, very complex complex and it can't be boiled down into these sort of sound bites that you hear on the on, on yeah, the internet. For sure. And we can't just demonize compounds or yeah. you know, um increase fear because actually yeah, there is a lot of complexity to it, which we're still understanding. Like a lot of these studies are small studies or yeah. animal studies and we're still exploring um and understanding these mechanisms a bit more. Yeah.
Yeah. Um, you also had like the, the, the study around the fructose source uh, uh, from uh, natural fruits versus soft drinks. Now, this mm-hmm. is particularly interesting because I think this sort of highlights the point about the source of fructose, how it's added to a product and how you can't compare fructose in an apple versus fructose in a sugar-sweetened beverage, even though they are exactly the same molecule. Mm-hmm. Yes, the context matters as well. So Sorry. like we said before, what um, what else comes with the food has a different has an impact. So this study um, indicated that there's a clear difference between fructose from natural fruits and fructose from soft drinks um, because most fruits only contain small amounts plus all the other compounds that we talked about and that have the effects we talked about um, in more detail earlier. Um, So there is a clear difference of contacts, dose, um, and uh, how much, how quickly it gets into your body. Yeah, you would basically have to eat a ton of fruit to have yeah. the same detrimental, mm-hmm. harmful effect. Of, and you wouldn't. And you it wouldn't. Make no, you too, it's too <laughs> much. Be too, <laughs> we'd be way too, too uh, full. And she'd probably get diarrhea yeah. as well. And you'd be super full. Like, you'd, you'd be very full. And bored. Yeah. You'd be very, very full. Um, juice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this fruit is juices. Like, I always get asked about fruit juices. Should you get veg juices rather than fruit juices? I have opinions on veg juicing that. I have to admit, are probably not as informed as they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, that veg juicing is generally going to be okay because it doesn't refine uh, the sugar like fructose that you find. Um, and um, you're getting some of those other sort of beneficial bitter compounds. That's probably a topic for another day. Mm-hmm. Fruit juices, I, I have staunch opinions on. And, and I generally say to people, steer clear of fruit juices unless you're you want to enjoy like an orange juice on holiday you know whilst you're having brunch or or whatever it might be um talk to us a bit about fruit juices and the 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 sugars found um, in fruit juice yeah we should definitely look into vegetable juices because i don't know much about that but i think the general principle is that when you're juicing fruits whole fruits and maybe vegetables probably vegetables as well Mm. you're breaking down the natural structure so you're breaking down the fruit matrix that we talked about and so that has more impact than we can even understand. And so it frees the sugars from the plant cells and it also um, removes the fiber. Mm-hmm. So it means that the absorption of glucose into your bloodstream will be very different than when you're eating the whole fruit and it will be much quicker. Um, and then there's, there's also that dose that we talked about as well before, which is um, fruit juice contains like four, five, six, yeah. seven oranges compared to one. So you're getting more sugar more quickly because it's freed from its uh, structure. Uh, so it's going straight to the bloodstream and it's causing a way quicker rise in blood glucose compared to whole fruit. Um, I think it's quite interesting because food juices company will often say on their bottles like natural fruits or natural sugars um, and see it as that kind of a selling argument that it should be good for you but actually this is kind of the proof that um their natural sugars doesn't mean that much and it doesn't mean healthy because um the structure and the 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 food matrix that the sugars come with is also important and that is removed when we're eating food juices when we're drinking food juices absolutely yeah now this brings us on to a perplexing study that we came across looking at 20 people because using the same logic logic that Mm -hmm. you just articulated right now about okay the more you remove fiber the more you disrupt the matrix the high the likelihood that you are uh, introducing a processed product that's going to be harmful, quote unquote, into your body or more harmful uh, because of the the impact of sugar on on um, in, in your bloodstream. There was a study looking at 20 people and they uh, randomized them to blended fruit mm-hmm. and whole fruit and they measured their glycemic response. Mm-hmm. I would have said whole fruit, you know, that wouldn't have blunt that wouldn't have spiked their blood sugar as much as the blended fruit. What actually happened? Yeah, they, <laughs> they actually found the opposite surprise. <laughs> so actually, yeah, it's quite surprising. They found that um, blended fruit resulted in a lower glycemic response compared to whole fruits, which is a bit counterintuitive mm. for me. Um, and obviously, it's a very small study. It's only 20 participants and it was published quite recently. Uh, so we need more research on that. But the authors think that blended fruits could reduce glucose levels because the blending could uh, release 
all those compounds that we talked about, like fiber and polyphenols from the food matrix um, more than when we chew food uh, fruits. Right. Um, yeah. And so the release of that could then have a positive effect. Um, and compared to juice, you still keep the fiber when yeah. you're blending fruits. Yeah. It's just that it's blended uh, like when we chew food. So I guess it, it could kind of make sense, but it shows that we need to learn more about yeah. um, those nuances. Definitely. Yeah. And I also think like, A, it was a 20 person study. Mm-hmm. B, it hasn't been repeated, not so that I can see. And I think one of the sort of hallmarks of proof within if you, I mean, if you use the Bradford Hill criteria, for example, you know, you have to have it replicable. It has to be replicated in multiple different centers, not just the same center or the same researchers, but from people from, you know, uh, ideally different institutions in different countries. Um, this hasn't been repeated. So I say this with a lot of reservation, but it, that is really surprising that mm. you'd see that even in 20 people you know i, I wouldn't mm. have I, I would have lost my money if that was a bet <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. so look as, as a general rule of thumb uh i would say whole fruits can be considered a healthy addition to our diets even if they can say contain sugar um but what about sort of all different types of fruits in that sort of context? Because a fruit is not a fruit is not a fruit. They're all different types, right? We just talked about grapes and bananas versus berries, tropical fruits. Is this something that we should be avoiding? So um, we would say kind of yes because of the amount of sugar, but then there's actually, I think it's, it's another topic of debate because there's also a study that a, a human trial um, that compared fresh mango compared to isocaloric low-fat cookies. Okay. So um, it all comes back to this idea of context and what you're comparing it with. Uh-huh. So compared to isocaloric fresh uh, low-fat cookies, fresh mango reduced blood sugar levels, which is um, expected. Uh-huh. So we still can't say that you know it's bad, uh, completely bad to eat tropical fruits. Yeah. Um, there's even a, a systematic review that suggested that all sources of fruit, including tropical fruits and dry fruits, mm-hmm were associated with a reduced risk of cardiovascular risk uh, disease um, compared that is comparable to that of vegetables. And the authors even went as far to suggest that uh, preventing people from eating certain foods like tropical foods could cause unintended harm because mm. um, from people preventing people from meeting their fruit and vegetable requirements. Yeah. So I think we shouldn't be demonizing tropical yeah. fruits because they have a higher sugar amount, which is the conclusion that these researchers come came to, but they do have um, a higher sugar content compared to other fruits like we talked about in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so maybe there shouldn't be a daily staples. Maybe it shouldn't be the first thing you eat um, in the morning on an empty stomach. Yeah. Uh, but compared to having another sweet food um, and compared to not eating at all, yeah. or not eating fruits or vegetables at all, yeah. It's still better to have a banana yeah. or a mango than yeah. you know to completely remove your portion from the day. I think that's a really important point to to note about the isocaloric low fat cookie. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people would demonize perhaps the fruit because of the sugar content and opt for something else that is mm-hmm. processed that has perhaps low fat or healthy on the packaging. So if you have an isochloric, that, that's a funky word for saying, is like the same amount of energy. So you have a, uh, let's say a banana or a mango and you have a cookie and they are the same amount of calories. Let's just call them hundred calories. They have the same amount of sugar because the cookie is low fat and uh, the uh, banana or mango is relatively higher in sugar compared to other fruits. The fruit does better than the isochloric uh, cookie because of all the other attributes that the cookie just will not have because it's a refined processed product. So I think when you're at the counter or you're grabbing a coffee and you're making that decision between something that you need that is satiating or something like a snack that you want and you are looking at a sort of well-packaged in dark green sort of uh, processed food but it actually has like healthy or low fat on it compared to the, the banana, let's say, or the apple, that doesn't have any of those uh, um, sort of funky labels, 
you really want to be opting for the the whole fruit in that context, yeah. mm-hmm. let's say. In that context, it's yeah. definitely a better swap, I think. Definitely. If you're craving something sweet, then obviously, like, yeah, love cookies. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, not never eating cookies again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But generally, I don't think we should be thinking mangoes are bad because they're high in sugar because compared to other options, it's still better because you're getting all those compounds that are Definitely, yeah. And I think, you know, in an ideal world, if you can put clothes on those fruits, you know, through peanut butter or cheese or other sort of healthy fats or proteins or you throw that apple into you know a delicious salad that you can find on doctor's kitchen app let's just say um you know that's obviously going to be better there are levels to this game but if that is your choice then you want to be opting for the the whole fruit yeah um but yeah so food combinations um i think is an interesting point that you talked about in that podcast that you Mm. did on glucose hacks yes so i didn't go into the mechanisms and um the studies on that but there i think you you went into details about it um in that part and the one with jesse as well um but yeah i think a general thing would be those tropical fruits can be um, more of a dessert or more of a sweet um luxury treat and then our staples would be lower sugar fruits like blueberries strawberries blackberries um kiwi um citrus fruits um frozen uh blueberries when it's out of season yeah yeah <laughs> uh because otherwise it's really expensive yeah <laughs> and uh and then what you eat the foods with or food timing as well yeah. uh, so eating those foods those fruits with sources of protein and healthy fats to lower that glucose response as well so they can be kind of the strategies of how you eat foods if you are worried about glucose response and to just make the meal a bit more complete um in general yeah yeah for sure okay so let's let's wrap up and and have three key takeaways so i would say you know as a doctor as someone who is interested in trying to increase the nutrient density of people's diets Mm -hmm. eat your fruits For the majority of people, I don't think you should be worried about eating fruits. There are certain circumstances where people are on strict ketogenic diets for therapeutic reasons uh, or they're on low carb. Again, again, for therapeutic reasons, I can see the rationale for removing high sugar items from one's diet. But for most of us, we need to be aware of our sugar intake but not aware of our fruit intake. And there are levels to that as well, which I guess is the second point uh, about whole foods and uh, the, the, uh, the benefits to health. Yeah, so focusing on whole fruits rather than juice um, or other sources of sugar compared to other sweet foods, most people will benefit from consuming um, whole fruits. And I don't think we should be worried about them, especially when you're swapping, as you said, um, a sweet food for a whole fruit. Generally, for overall health, it will be beneficial and and provide loads of compounds uh, like we talked about. And like we talk about on Seasonal Sunday, there's just so many compounds that come with those fruits and we've been eating them for so long. And they have a rich um, history as well, linked yeah. to to humans and our culture. So I don't think we should be banning fruits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's your favorite fruit, actually? On What's note? my favorite fruit? I actually like kiwi. Oh, do you? I know it's a bit of a weird. <laughs> I, I know it's kiwi. not. I know it's a bit of a weird answer because I know it's not the most exciting. I do like mango yeah. as well. And yeah. Mango is like a treat. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I like kiwi. I like berries. Depends My, what I'm eating it for, like if it's just by itself or in something. Yeah, yeah. What's yours? My new favorite is mangosteen. Uh, I've never I, had that. I, I know I hadn't had it before <laughs> I went to Malaysia, and ah. it is an incredible sort of citrusy, mangoey mix. Mm. That you know, sometimes mango can be quite of oversweet in, in you yes. know, with my palate and stuff. Like my dad, my parents absolutely love it. You know, Alfonso mangoes like proper Indian thing. Um, but like mangosteen, I think for me is the nice balance between sweetness and citrus, which I, mm. I really appreciate. And um, blackcurrants as well. Black I'm currants. a big blackcurrant fan. Love blackcurrant. One of the highest uh, levels of anthocyanins mm. in blackcurrants. Yeah, the color, you can tell. The beautiful color, yeah. Uh-huh. Stains your fingers, nothing. So mm. I, I guess, sorry, the third point. <laughs> no, <that's laughs> I need get... to try that fruit. Yeah, you need to can try Can you find mangosteen. it in the UK now? Uh, probably pro- pro- imported, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but definitely. definitely if you ever find yourself in Malaysia. I need to travel more. Yeah, yeah. Um, the third point I would say is focusing on reducing added sugars. Added sugars is the energy the, is is the enemy. I would say you know fifteen percent of our overall energy intake comes from added sugars, which is 
crazy. We, we should be you know, making sure that we are reducing added sugars as much as possible, hence the issues around sugar-sweetened beverages. Mm -hmm. um, and it'd be pertinent to reduce our sugar intake, but that does not extend to fruits. I think they're, they're very, very different. So mm -hmm. those are sort of three points. Is there anything yeah. else that we missed? I have one last question to ask you. Yeah, go on. What do you think? So my housemate asked me that. She was like, could, if fruits are so good, could you could your five a day be fruits? Yeah. Um, or do you still need vegetables? Or, you know, if could you uh, just eat five fruits? Five yeah, I think this really comes down to the question less about like fruits, but more about uh, diversity of mm -hmm. the different ingredients. And if you are going to be uh, essentially expending more of that quota on fruits, what are you, what's the trade-off? What are you excluding? And I would say you're probably going to be getting to those levels where you're over-consuming fruit. Like we were just talking about like the five or six oranges. Like that's a lot of fiber. That's a lot of sugar to be having as five, you know, five or six uh, portions. And you want a diversity of different ingredients as well. So I would say instead of having all five of your fruit, uh, all five of your five a day, on fruit, diversify it, get some of those bitter compounds, get some of those vegetables, as well as fruit as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would, yeah, that's a good. Uh, and I would also say there's probably no click answer uh -huh. as well. As we've discussed after looking at these studies, it's very difficult to actually put your stake in the ground and actually say, you know what, I believe if you process any fruit, mm -hmm. it's going to have a, a worsening effect on your glucose levels. That was a massive surprise to me. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, everything that I just said about like five a day, that's a hunch. That's just based on my sort of opinion. Mm -hmm. But I haven't come across any studies that comparing. I've, yeah, yeah, me neither. Yeah. Maybe there are some, but I I haven't either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should probably look into that. Yeah, we should. <laughs> we'll that to Always more topics. List. Yeah. <laughs> so nice. Any favorite recipes with fruits then that you uh, have in your day to day? I would say there is a new recipe um, with cranberries, kale, and spiced celeriac chips mm -hmm. that's coming on the Doctor's Kitchen app. And that's going to be a perfect sort of celebration side dish for Christmas or Hanukkah or New Year's or whatever you're celebrating at that time of year. I think it's wonderful. And it's got these dry goji berries that we soak uh, and all uh, uh, scatter them over the, the kale and everything. And it's like, it's a delicious way of enjoying uh, veggies because you're getting all those different fats, those different, because we're adding nuts to it. You're adding all the different types of fibers from the kale and you're having celeriac, which is like one of those underutilized ingredients mm, yeah, with those spices. It. And it's got cinnamon in as well. And we know cinnamon has a, 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 a glucose blunting effect. Yeah, that's another thing that I don't know if we mentioned in terms of combining fruits, um, putting them in savory meals, yes. which I never, never do. Yeah. But I really want to start doing that, just throwing pears and apples into my into my stews or my salads and yeah. stuff like that, because that's another way to eat fruits and add a sweet touch to meals Definitely. without um, only eating the food by itself. Um, so that's another thing I think to add to my habits. Definitely, definitely. It's something I put in my diversity bowls yeah. every day. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good stuff. Good. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Doctor's Kitchen Podcast. Remember, you can support the pod by rating on Apple, follow along by hitting the subscribe button on Spotify, and you can catch all of our podcasts on YouTube if you enjoy seeing our smiley faces. Review show notes on the doctorskitchen.com website and sign up to our free weekly newsletters where we do deep dives into ingredients, the latest nutrition news, and of course, lots of recipes by subscribing to the Eat, Listen, Read newsletter by going to thedoctorskitchen.com forward slash newsletter. And if you're looking to take your health further, why not download the Doctor's Kitchen app for free from the App Store? I will see you here next time.